Welcome on into the show. My name is Danny Gallagher, and I'm joined by the snare campaign provocateur, the professor. I think that one stuck. Oh. It's Danny. It's wow. It's Benny Horowitz. Oh my <laughs> it's, god. It's <laughs> Danny Horowitz. You know, as going through the the world named Benny, uh, often in a first or even second interaction, I am very often called Denny, Kenny, oh. uh, Danny, Lenny. All sorts of different things. And I've, you know, at a certain age, I think when you hit like 30, I just stopped correcting people altogether. So yeah. there's quite a few people out there in the world who who actually think I'm a Denny. It's I'd so make a good Denny. You think yeah. so? Would, would you go one end or two? Would you stick with the two ends? No, because the two ends is like... <sighs> For for some reason, that makes me think that I'm a Benjamin when you rock like the two ends. Yeah. Like, like Denny, that's not short for anything, no? It's, You're just Denny. No, Dennis. You're de- uh, obviously. Oh, my God. I'm so dumb. All right. <laughs> Dennis. Yes, Dennis. So, no, I, of course, two ends. Yeah. I mean, actually, Denny with two ends makes more sense than Benny with two ends. Yeah. Uh, you know, because my actual name is only spelled with one N. So, wow. yeah, I think I'd go two. Like and I think, yeah, and I think actually I'm questioning how you spell your name now. I it's don't think this is right. Thing. Yeah. See, it's like you're more when, of a de- you're deny. I never yeah. even realized that that I'm on the show with deny Gallagher. What the fuck? <laughs> you need another N. What did we no, just discover in fought, the intro here? I have fought so hard against this because <laughs> at places I have worked, People, I will put Denny and I will spell it out for them on the yeah. thing and they cannot get their brain around it. And I'm Bro, like, what the fuck? You're blowing my mind right now. How long have we been doing this podcast <laughs> together? And I never put it together that you're Deny Gallagher. <laughs> Holy shit. The oh, real man. watermelon smasher. Oh, Deny Gallagher, the third right. brother. <laughs> oh my goodness! I'm all of those things. I'm I'm a pop culture enigma. You are. This is oh, funny, man. All right, all right. Well, speaking of pop culture enigmas, let's get into the pop culture enigma. It's this damn music history. The best one. All right. What do you got? All right, Deny. <laughs> so on this day, 2021, Forbes. Rich Person Magazine of Note declares Rihanna the richest female musician by far. Her one point seven billion dollar billion dollar fortune is roughly double that of Madonna, who is number two on the list. Double. Most of Rihanna's earnings are from her Fenty beauty line. But come on, gangster, huh? Yeah. One point seven billion. Doubles Madonna. Madonna's got how many years in the biz? We're talking books, movies. It's not like she hasn't branched out. Yeah. I'm surprised. Where's Beyonce on this list? I thought she was she was up there. I thought she was a billionaire as well. Or is that her and Jay's combined? I think it's a combined thing because I don't think she has a company, no? Yeah, there's I mean she, like she, she is a company, did, but no, she made some fashion line too, didn't she? I I can't can't probably, keep probably up. some athleisure or something. You're the one that lives with the fashion design. <laughs> I know she oh, would know. <laughs> she would know. I wish I wish I had that resource right now. Well, I, but Taylor Swift's got to be got to be smoking up from the rear. She's yeah, young, and when you sell out, like yeah. I mean, like you got to think, right? Taylor Swift just played to literally. Uh, Let's just roughly say like 200 to 300,000 people in every city she just went to because she was doing two, three nights at stadiums. Mm-hmm. You know, just this tour alone, I, I, I don't know the fucking it's so out of my realm of comprehension, but she's got to be pocketing like a hundred million dollars. I don't know, something yeah. crazy like that. So I got to think she's rocketing up this list. Too. She's she's doing six nights at SoFi now, which I think is the longest anyone. I mean, that venue's yeah. new, but still. So, but she also doesn't. She just sticks to the music. I don't think she has. She doesn't have like a tequila. 
Right, like but but she's one. young. But yeah. she's young. She's yeah. got a while to get into, you know, like Cher is 70 and doing gelato yeah. now. Like imagine what Taylor Swift's going to pull off in the next 50 years. I mean, remember, like, like Giant Stadium, when it's filled up on a normal Sunday, is the third biggest city in New Jersey. Yeah. You know, like she did that three times. Yeah. It's a, it's crazy. It's so, crazy. So. But but this was for Rihanna. 1.7 billion. You're a queen. I love you. I still see videos of her mopping up her own house too. respect. respect. Oh, man. You know, and no, I, I don't think we'll see anybody rock a Super Bowl pregnant the way she did, no. did and still give us the dancing chef's kiss. I know. I know. It's like it's like even when you think you're Rihanna has walked through the industry with no Lizzo moments, you know? Oh, man. We're not going to get. See, I didn't want to disparage anybody this week. I, I wanted to keep it light this week. But, 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 but since we're here briefly, this Lizzo thing, how often does this become like a. I guess, how, how often are the a- allegations real? And is there always a, a kernel of truth whenever somebody goes down this uh, situation? Well, I mean, listen, like if you're running like a gregarious show where everybody's like super happy and engaged and blah, blah, blah. Then three people don't walk away and then sue you. So I got to imagine something happened. Um, I'm not going to say whether she was wrong or not, because the one thing that always comes into my mind, too, is, you know, I've met a lot of uh, men through the years who are who, who are lauded for their um you know lack of bullshit their straightforwardness their uh attention to detail and wanting to do a good job and i feel like they're given a lot of passes as a result and i you know i do wonder if she was running a real tight ship where she demanded perfection uh and in that case like you know maybe she wasn't wrong and it's viewed at differently because she's a young woman um, so I think there's a lot to that story, but a lot we don't know about yet. You yeah. Know? Yeah. We, we will let that story unfold and then bring that to you on. a. This is about Lizzo abusing her dancers, by uh-huh. the way. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> if if anyone didn't know, didn't in case up. we didn't know, this is about Lizzo being mean to her dancers. Apparently, I, I wanted to sprinkle in some allegedly there just yeah, allegedly to, uh, keep us safe. All right. I'm going to, you know, speaking of abuse, Benny, on this day in 1967, a female fan was stowed away on the band's plane between shows in Minneapolis and St. Louis. The girl's father threatened to bring charges for transporting a minor across state lines. Now, I got to know here with this story because I I almost didn't want to do any further digging on this. How, How do you how? I don't think the monkeys were like putting teenage fans underneath the plane. So I, I, I don't think that was in the realm of possibility. So do you think, oh, I mean, like you're like, maybe like maybe they did. Maybe they didn't. <laughs> I kind of thought that this was more of a case of like the girl just like wanted to like meet the monkeys, So she just got on the plane like Tom Cruise. Well, if that was the case, why is dad so upset? Then it's then it's his daughter's fault. Like the monkeys like, were just flying to their next show. It's it's like the, the, I, the idea that they stowed away a teenager makes me think that they put a teenager under the plane. Uh, <laughs> you know, I thought, listen, shit was crazy back yeah. then. It was even the people you thought were safe. Like every single time I watch some documentary or read something on like, let's say like the 60s. Uh, hippie West Coast scene, you know, like Laurel Canyon or yeah. what was going on in the Bay Area, you know, like like 60 years later, we're all like, oh, look at the tie dye and look at all the cool shit. They're dancing like that. The men were still disgusting. Yeah. They were still chauvinist pigs because they were raised by men who were raised in like the 30s. And we still were not far removed from like, you know, some some really archaic shit. So the idea that the monkeys in like good fun put a teenage girl in a stowaway, they're probably like, oh, it's it's Richmond to Baltimore. It's a 30 minute skip. She'll be fine. Like, I don't know. I could see it. Yeah, I don't know. 
part of me was like maybe there was like like an end of animal house situation where she's like oh by the way surprise yeah um but no. yeah no dicey situation here for 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 the monkeys but. i think it was davy jones <laughs> davy jones liked to keep keep teenage women in his suitcase I don't know. oh man no, all right know. well speaking of teleporting benny i thought you were gonna say last speaking week. of teenage women in suitcases <laughs> yeah well, allegedly allegedly maybe teenage aliens here uh congress last week held hearings regarding uh the u.s's involvement with unidentified objects and aliens and stuff like that so i i, I want to run through the, the the big five takeaways from um congress meeting to talk about aliens and ufos last week and all that good stuff so the the, the first takeaway is uh, the government is absolutely in present in possession of UAPs. Uh, Dave Grush, Grush, however you pronounce it, a former U.S. In, in, intelligent official, told a panel that he is absolutely certain that the federal government is in possession of UAPs, citing interviews that he conducted with over 40 witnesses. So that seems to be in the ballpark of reality, though there was some crazy stuff said. Um, he also said that... Uh, uh, non-human biologics, which is, that's a heck of a way to yeah. describe something you found. Yeah, yeah. Um, was found at the crash site. Uh, he underscored that he, he has not personally spotted a UAP, uh, but he said multiple colleagues were injured by UAPs. Uh, he, he also said that the interview discovered uh, the non-human uh, biologics, as I said, and he prefers to use the term non-human rather than alien or extraterrestrial all right so we got a few more here but let's yeah. just start there sure uh the the bodies of aliens allegedly uh found um not not sure whether they're in uh u.s government possession and the u.s government allegedly being in possession of uap how much credibility do you give this david grush guy grush well all right so there's a lot to this story yeah. and like I, you know, I think some of the biggest things to come out to it are more broad. And I actually hit up my alien expert, who's Tom May, guitar player, singer of the Menzingers, who is an alien enthusiast and knows a lot about this. And like for someone like him, you know, nothing in this hearing that came out uh, was new news, you know, to people who are like in the know and like you know, actively looking for information on this stuff. A lot of the instances they were talking about in this hearing were kind of well-known fodder amongst the UAP community, you know, and people who follow it. I think the big deal was, A, putting it on permanent government record in, like, a hearing like this kind of takes it from a fringier thing to a realer thing, you know, the fact that it's even being recognized in this way. And then B, now opening up new channels for people in the Air Force, for even, you know, uh, pedestrian flyers and stuff um, to, to report these things. Because back in the day, you know, I think you were scoffed at or laughed at if you were reporting sites of this stuff or you didn't want to deal with it because then you had, you know, Ed Harris in his uh, fedora, not you know, knocking at your door the day later, harassing your family for like ten years. If you do say you saw something, so I think that uh, that you know the information wasn't new or mind blowing, but it does like legitimize things that a lot of people thought. And then one other thing I took from it is what you were talking about, like the biological aspect and the things they took from it. I think I'm glad it's getting away from this idea that I've always kind of shrugged my shoulders at the idea that the government is hiding this stuff because we can't handle it and they can't, you know what I mean? Like this group of people who were in high school or college, like three years before who don't know much more than me can handle such sensitive information about other worlds, but the world can't, we would just fall apart, blah, 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 blah. It's got nothing to do with that. They're trying to take these things, bring it into their labs and reverse engineer them so they can have the technology before anybody else. And I think that's another thing that became clear in these hearings was the fact that that is the, the impetus 
for how much work and how much secrecy goes into it. It's not, um, you know, altruistic. Well, you just answer my next question there. It's like, why now do all of all of this stuff? But if, if, they're, if they're trying to see, there's no this sounds kind of dumb to me, like the fact that they'd be like, all right, we're in like this, like a new version of a race for everything against other countries. And, and we're going to try to, uh, uh, quote unquote, reverse engineer UFOs and like tap into this. Like, what are we doing? This sounds crazy. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> listen, I think. I, I I think that there are things at play when we're talking about stuff like this. I do think that there are technologies and things in the world that exist in secret that we do not know anything about. And this is, this is a big part of that, you know, but this one for some reason just fascinates people so much more than like your nuclear stockpile or something like that. So it's, it's garnered public interest for 50 years. How much science fiction has been written about this? There's movies about, you know, hidden bases in the desert where they're storing aliens and, you know, like Will Smith and, you know, this is, it's become some real pop culture shit. And literally the guy from fucking blink 182 is half the reason that we're seeing some of this stuff. So like, you know, I think that's, it's one of those interesting things is like some things the government can't keep hidden because people are just that interested and people are just that fascinated with aliens and UAP. They just wouldn't let it go. And they're like, all right, finally, we got to give these people something because the internet age, they're, they're getting too much information on their own, you know? It was so funny. I, like the guy from Blink 182 at, at, at a concert last week, he was like, I was right. Like, so, like, he, he got that. I mean, <laughs> a lot of people thought he was a fucking wackadoo. Seriously. Like, he literally did a band called Angels and Air. Like, yeah. Like, to, to little punk rock kids, we thought he went crazy. <laughs> you know, yeah. like, kind of. He started this band, he got into this stuff, and you're like, wow, all right. He's kind of on the on the side now. So I actually do think it's, uh, it's gotta be validating for someone yeah. like that. A hundred percent. And, uh, the last thing I, I just want to bring up with, with that is, uh, uh, d- during the trial, they also talked about, uh, silencing like witnesses and how, you know, some witnesses and lawmakers at, at the hearing argued that the yeah, stigma associated with it hindered the effort to determine the, the origins, which I, I think anybody, regardless of how you feel about aliens and UFOs and, and stuff like that, like people just want to know the origin. And I think that they'd be a little bit more comfortable with it. So, yeah, I listened last week. There is a Duncan Trussell pod with, um, I believe his name is Chris Wallace, who is the son of David Wallace, who was somebody who had an abduction story, like a normal, you know, and something that happened all the time. And he talked about the kind of harassment and public shaming and all sorts of things that happened to his family as a result of uh, not only staying public with it, but also like sticking to the fact that it is the truth when they were forced to kind of say it was a lie for for many years so like that's why i kind of brought up the ed harris and the fedora thing because i do think uh some some sketchy characters come at your door uh often and uh when you when you start to report stuff like this how sad is it that because of the writer strike SNL has been on vacation and we haven't gotten the Kate McKinnon like <laughs> you like her like abduction lady. Oh <laughs> yeah, they gotta redo that one. They gotta redo that one. Oh, that one was hilarious. Yeah, I love that one. McKinnon. Oh. Much I, respect. I, she was great in, in Barbie, but by the way, too. Like really good. That was a crazy <laughs> film. So subversive, way more subversive than I heard. I heard. I gotta get into it. Anyway, uh, let's right. move on a little happy trails here. Uh, one of the most subversive and original figures in 1980s pop culture, uh, the cherry-lipped, uh, matchstick thin, 
Uh, you know him from his uh, red bow tie, his uh, tasseled loafers, shrunken gray suit. That's right. We're talking about Pee Wee Herman. And more importantly, uh, the actor Paul Rubens, who, who portrayed him, uh, died last week at the age of 70 as, as a result of, of, of cancer. Um, the character appeared on stage in uh, the Pee Wee Herman show during the early 80s, uh, but did not become a, a, a international phenomenon until Pee Wee's Big Adventure in 1985. Uh, Benny, I, I, I know that you're a, a big Pee Wee Herman fan. I saw in the house you put on Big Adventures and, 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 and watched it with the fan last week. So how will you remember uh, the late, great Paul Rubens? I mean, for me, I was literally like, I was smack in the middle of it as a kid. You know, like the movie came out when I was, I think, six. You know, the show was on all through those years. And I vividly remember it as like, one of my favorite things to do when I was a kid. I don't remember much about that time. And I remember fucking cherry and I remember the genie and I remember peewee and I remember the bike and the, the mailman and like all these funny characters. It was like some twisted version of our Mr. Rogers. And if you want to know what's wrong with all of us, maybe that's it. But um, <laughs> like, so I really like grew up, with this character and grew up the movies. I mean, I even love, like, I love the films. Like I watched it again and, you know, having that peewee character mixed with Tim Burton and Danny Elfman, like it's yeah. such a bizarre mix and makes for such like a rewatchable movie. Like even now it's, it's pretty quality, you know? And, you know, and I was thinking about it, like there aren't a lot of people out there in the world who exist as just like one character anymore, right? Like this used to kind of be a thing back in the day, like out in the world, I would be like this guy and he's constantly on and I'm watching Pee Wee again. And I'm like, this is such a distinct, like of the voice, the outfit, the, the way he delivers like lines, like no one's ever really done that since, you know? And the fact that like the, the Paul Rubens thing never turned into anything else there was never an offshoot there was never his film career or something like that it was just peewee that was it this guy was just peewee and the world and that's kind of unique i mean we'd obviously be remiss to say i actually even made a mistake the other day i was in a public setting when someone mentioned peewee and i've always blanketly rejected that jerking off in a porn movie theater should get you in much trouble i mean like Sure, you're a kid star, so you might want to choose a a different hobby. But like, listen, this guy wasn't diddling his prick out in the street, slapping it with people. He's in a porn movie theater watching pornography, playing with himself, which always seemed not that bad to me. So even in public the other day, and I'm like, someone's like, oh, you know, he was kind of weird or something. I'm like, he wasn't weird. He was jerking off. And then when I'm reading the stories, I heard that he got in another bit of trouble because of like photographs of underage children and stuff, which I did not know about until he passed away. Um, so I'm not going to sit here and like extol the virtues of the man. Cause I don't know much about the man and that's most of the public stuff I do know. But as far as the character and the show and the movies, I mean, long lasting influence on me and like, american pop culture for sure yeah it, it's so funny when when i was a kid like you know how in like asbury there's like tilly like i was like yeah. why is there like a peewee's like yeah like, like yeah and, like asbury park but oh yeah. man big ups to him though paul rubens uh will be missed because well the character of, of peewee herman it's gonna be interesting to see you know we talk all the time on, on, on this podcast about you know like who owns what and after artist die like what happens with like their music mm. it's gonna be interesting to see what happens with the uh yeah Pee -wee herman character once his his estate is in control yeah i wonder who owns his likeness and stuff yeah. that's a good point yeah so we'll who uh, bring that question up then i know you love to play this game you're recasting peewee's big adventure right now remake who is peewee who is peewee how yo mm. chalamet Oh no! Like I'm thinking, like you have to go more in, in, in like, like, like the comedy sphere. Like, like I'm uh -huh. thinking, like 
See, like, there's no real, like, like uh, Paul Rubens, Andy Kaufman's, where, like, guys that can, like, personify this character. Like, maybe, like, the like one of the only guys that, that, that I can think of in, like, like modern comedy who could do, like, a, a interpretation on it would maybe be, like, a, like, Tim Robinson, like, the, like, I, I think you could leave guy. But he very much stays in, like, his own lane. Like, there's nobody yeah. who's, like, I don't know. I like I like that that suggestion though because you need like he's maybe screwball enough to yeah. pull it off and actually like commit to a character that hard you know I, yeah. that that's a good suggestion I think I'll go Tim Robinson as the new yeah. Pee Wee yeah. sure oh see what have Bill Hader direct it you kind of get a like a, yeah. yeah we're in dark meets light love it all right all right let's move on you know it's, it's so if, if if this is your first tune up, we're doing a bit of, of different stories today. But man, I love this stuff. Just so jam with us. Just jam with us. We're, we're, we're kind of like uh, the Grateful we're, Dead today. You know, we're going to start one place and end up a completely We'll take you there. Journey. It's <laughs> like having sex with Sting. Okay, you don't know where it's going, but it's going to climax. Oh uh, well, we're going to talk about <laughs> skinny dipping soon. Why'd so you ever maybe... take those bits for the videos? <laughs> Come on, that's the funny shit. You always talk about, oh, Gaslight played a show video. When I give you gold like that, you know? These could be memes. I'm so used to having to, like, toe the corporate line with what I post that I'm always just like, oh, what would the NBA like? Okay, nope, nope. What would Benny like? So we'll talk about. Yeah. Got to go subversive, Denny, with me if you want me to like it. So the the, the entire Pee Wee stuff. It's going up this week. No, give me that one sting line. That one line about sting having sex. That's it. That'll draw people in. Trust me. (laughs) I bet. I bet it will. All right. Let's move to a zoo in China, shall we? Which is like, why would we do that? Because a zoo in eastern China is denying suggestion that some of its bears might be people in costumes (laughs) after photos of animals standing like humans were slated online. Uh, The sun bears from Malaysia are smaller than other bears and look different, but are, quote unquote, the real thing. Uh, This zoo said on Monday via their social media account. All right. So I want you all to take a a, a look at at what we're talking (laughs) about here with the bears. So look at this thing. Like this bear is standing up. He's looking around. I think at one point he waves and look at that. Bends over, which it's like if that's a person, that's great flexibility there. But you see it. This is like a country bear jamboree situation. Look at this. I mean, I know. Like the bottom right there. Like you see the pants. You see the the butt. It- <laughs> It's bizarre. Look at that. That's a human spine and a human butt. Yeah, but there's no human that it's long. A, yeah. You know? <laughs> oh, it's weird seeing the X on there. I haven't seen that yet. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I got to be honest. Up until this moment, I'd only seen the stills <laughs> of this. And based on the stills, I was like, that is so clearly a person in a bear costume that this is like, this is laughable that they're trying to play this off. But when I just saw that movement, yeah, I'm like, that's kind of like an evil deadish movement. If that's <laughs> a person in there, that's a very like strange arched back. And if that is a person in there, I'd like to give them credit for their abilities to move their body like that. Cause that, it, it kind of looked like someone like possessed. If you can actually like yeah. make your body go like that. So seeing it in that context, Okay, those are probably real bears. Um, because, like, I think we're we're getting suckered into something here, too, right? Please. We are. This is we're... part... The New York Post ran this story. This is part of kind of like... Like, listen, I know we have, like, problems with Chinese the country right now, and there's some issues with America, but they'll... Don't like fall for this shit. Just because they're communists doesn't mean they're this dumb. And that like thousands of people walk into a zoo every day and are completely bewildered by a man in a bear costume. Come on. Like, like they're still like humans with eyes that walk around the world that maybe like read books that, you know, like maybe some are smart have really good cameras that could see stuff like come on like what are we talking about here you know like there's no fucking people in a bear costume jeez i don't know man 
Have you seen Snow White? You put three little kids in there, child labor endangerment, allegedly sprinkled because I, I I don't want to get yeah. black bagged by Joe Sy, but yeah, that's what I'm saying right now. Like, yeah, you're right. These three <laughs> kids are inside. They're they're fucking 11 years old. They're not supposed to be working. They're wards of the state. They're high on fucking rhino tusk. That's what people think is going on in there. Uh, oh, but hey, you know that's a that's a, a different kind of bear specific to the region. I get it. It's not. Yeah, it's a skinny in. bear. Skinny I can't bear. wait. He needs some honey. I can't wait until Halloween and you just have like these like college oh kids God. going as this bear. Can't wait. But but they're gonna wear distasteful signs that say like Chinese bear or, or something. Elizabeth Ols- Olsen's watching this and, and she's wait. I, I get that wrong every time. The cocaine bear lady, she's like, "Oh, yeah. I have my sequel." Well, that's what I'm saying. Sure. I'm like, "You're really gonna you're gonna dress up like that bear instead of cocaine bear?" Oh, maybe. You're nuts. maybe that, that's you're a nuts. funnier bear. That is an objectively funnier. bear. Yeah, but you can't put white powder on the face yeah. of that bear and it be funny. Yeah, cocaine bear is gonna be a great Halloween costume. Oh, I came up with mine by the way. Yeah, I'm believe Ashley. I'm gonna be Ashley Schaefer. From eastbound and down. Yeah. Ashley Schaefer BMW. Oh, I love it. Yeah. I love it. All right. Let's move on. All right. Come let's on. move on. We're, we're going to get to baseball in a, a, a little bit. But uh, <clears throat> it's summertime in New Jersey here, which led, which led one local news outlet, a hello, New Jersey 101.5, uh, former employer of yours truly, by the way, <laughs> uh, ranked the best skinny dipping places in New Jersey. And I know that we're a national program, but... I wanted to get your opinions on, you know, the it's the beginning of August, end of summer. What for you makes a great skinny dipping location? I mean, no people. And that's where <laughs> that's where like when I saw this article, you know, I'm like, I've lived in New Jersey for 42 years. I, it's hard. It's difficult to get to parts of this state where there's no other people around. Yeah, I try. Trust me, I try hard and I can go deep into hikes and stuff and look up and be like, all right, I haven't ran into another person in like 20 minutes. So it happens, yeah. but you got to go to like the depths of the New Jersey woods for that <laughs> to happen. Like I heard about this story and all I could think was like how few places I've swam in New Jersey. I'd feel comfortable being naked okay, without being arrested. Yeah, well. For... And that would be my biggest problem is like, listen, I'm old now. Yeah. I go full cock and balls out at the gym. <laughs> I don't care anymore. Who cares? You know, this is more about being arrested than someone seeing my stuff. You know, yeah, I yeah. got you. Well, let's let's run through the list real quick. Yeah, uh, lay it on me. Sorry to make this super local, but uh, Round Valley in Lebanon, Sandy, Sandy Hook in Highlands, which if, if you're going skinny, Sandy Hook, that's crazy. You're arrested. It is Round Valley, too. It's packed. <laughs> the Delaware River in Frenchtown. Also, no. Nope. Manasquan Inlet, which is also like really populated. Lake Apacon, maybe, but you that's uh private house though you need yeah, the private yeah, house yeah. on hapakong yeah they said spring lake which is crazy there's like uh, camps at spring yeah, lake yeah there's like camps there you'll be lake, a, uh, lake takasani in ocean city don't know that one uh, cape may beach which is that's wild just out in cape may just full frontal uh lake surprise in highland lakes which it's that's vernon i grew up there gross i'd never even go in there like it's <laughs> like like fish die in Highland Lakes, that's how gross it is. Wait, Vernon is that is that a runoff that's, of Action Park? Yeah, yeah, that's, yeah. A, that's a town. right, that's, right that's, in the stuff. Okay, I grew up half a mile from there. And uh, Seven Presidents Island Beach in Long Branch, so very populated places. The yeah, and uh, the other one that didn't make my copy and paste there is uh, Lake Mohawk in Sparta, which that's the only one on this list maybe. you can like maybe do. Yeah, so. I mean, like six of the ones they mentioned, yeah. you'll be arrested in like five minutes. Yeah. If, if especially me. Oh, look at that six foot three, 210 pound guy with a graying mustache walking around with his, with his flabby ass and descending <laughs> balls walking around. Like, I'd be arrested so fast. That river in Frenchtown, there's literally a playground. On the side of it, because it's very nice, and you can play next to the river. So this article 
I don't know. What are they trying to do? Are they what is what is uh what's going Town on? With Square them? Media trying to do to I don't know. I don't know. Like this is a strange story because these are all very nice places. Yeah. But being in the context of skinny dipping, it's like I don't know, man. I've been to Barcelona. You can't pull that off in New Jersey. <laughs> that's that that's what I'm, I'm gonna <laughs> that, that's just people the tagline. Like I've been to Barcelona. I've been to Barcelona, Barcelona baby. <laughs> You can't pull that off in New Jersey. Oh it's man, it's true. It's true. Uh, all right. Well, let's move on, shall we? That was a that was a crazy half hour of content. You're welcome. That's my favorite half hour. I'm glad we only only one death. That's the new yeah. rule, Danny. Only yeah. one death only on one the death. on the front hot portion of the show, please. On, on, on the front nine, we can yeah. Talk on the about front one nine, only one death. New rule. All right. Well, let's let's get into a, a, a little hoops action, shall we? And uh, Diana Taurasi became the first WNBA player to score ten thousand points. Um, she copied the LeBron James uh, when he became the all-time leading scorer celebration. Uh, Taurasi uh, came into Thursday night's game only needing eighteen points to pass the mark. Uh, she finished with forty-two, so just a, a all-time situation for. Uh, probably the best women's basketball player we we've ever had. So big ups to Tarazi. Just wanted to get that in today. Yeah, that's huge. I mean, you know, you look down the line and like how important this record could be, you know, like who's going to break this record. Who's in the contention. This is like, this is what makes sports narratives like more fun. And sometimes I think this is where people get impatient with new leagues, you know, because like, you need someone to play like a massive spanning 15 year career and break all these records and send benchmarks and milestones for the next generation to chase it. And it makes it more interesting. So I think stuff like this is, is very, very quality for the league. And Tarasi's a good person to wear the crown for a while, you know, a hundred percent, a hundred percent. All right, well, let's move on to a, a guy who has a crown in major league baseball. Shohei Otani hit his 40th home run what a monster. Uh, season. Uh, the, the first guy to get the 40 home runs this year. Uh, this comes after a week where there was a lot of speculation, and we talked about it, that the Los Angeles Angels were going to trade him. He stayed put at the deadline. Um, they're, you know, they're, they're, they're starting to get healthy. They, they made some uh, additional moves to try to make a run here. What do you make of the Angels' decision uh, to keep him at the deadline? And... Uh, what do you think of how do you think Anaheim's going to finish this season? I love what the Angels did. You heard me on here two weeks ago saying that the only option for the Angels is to fucking lean in to trying to keep Otani. Like, what else are you going to do? If you even know you have a chance to re-sign this guy, you have to do everything in your power to try to re-sign him. So they not only uh, did it at the trade, they jumped the trade deadline. The Lucas Giolito trade, who, if people remember, there was a time Giolito was was considered maybe the most important prospect in baseball at a certain time. Um, they pulled the trigger on that before the deadline even began. Um, you know, and I thought uh, I didn't have to give up too much to get him. And then they go back and they they deal with St. Louis to get Grichuk. They get CJ Crone. They get a couple extra bats in the lineup. Trout is getting healthy. So as I look at this lineup going up every day, and I'm still seeing some spots in the lineup where you're like, shit, man, I feel bad for Otani. It's actually made me like really root for the angels. You know, like I'm like rooting for the narrative now. And I kind (laughs) of, now that they made like the good faith effort and he's playing so amazing. I kind of like want it all to work out in my like sports narrative thing. So, as far as the angels are concerned, I think they were very smart uh, and did everything you need to do. It's unfortunate. The first two starts Giolito has had not so good, you know, Grichuk and Crone have, have had some big hits already, but it's a, you know, they also made those deadline deals and then had a series with the Braves. who's probably the best team in baseball. And then just started a series with the Mariners who they're in tight contention with in the standings. So, it didn't time well for them, but I think it was uh, real smart that they did it. And literally, like the day I think they make this Giolito trade, they have a doubleheader where he pitches a complete game shutout in the first half, 
and then hits two home runs to win in the second half. What the fuck with this guy? (laughs) And now you're starting to see some real like Barry Bonds treatment starting. Like he's getting walked constantly. Like he's pulling two, three walks a game. His on base percentage is is upwards of 410 now because of it. He's having a career year because it's getting to the point where people are just pitching around him. Um, And if you start, you know, really like actually having some bats you got to worry about in that lineup, I mean, sky's the limit for him. But I, I mean, I've said it before. I'll say it again. The only time I've ever seen something like this was Bonds. Yeah. Um, it's it's just sheer dominance. And to answer your first question, I think the Angels uh, did everything you should be doing. They've made a lot of mistakes in the last few years and a lot of things that haven't panned out. Um, but like th- this is exactly what they needed to be doing right now. That should be the next rule that Major League Baseball changes. You get like like uh five intentional walks a game so that like you have to be so sparing that when you decide to like do it it like actually counts and you can't just do it indefinitely yeah maybe two like two intentional walks or something yeah that could be good that could be Uh, good because this this whole trying to avoid a guy like otani it's kind of ridiculous and it feels like you shouldn't be able to do it like they'll like eliminate the pickoff but like you can't just like not go at Otani for a whole game to try to limit. Yeah, him. but I mean, but that's the thing. If I'm an opposing pitcher and I'm looking at this lineup and I'm like, okay, I get through Otani and then I'm getting to uh, Chad Wallach and I'm getting to, you know, Zach Nito, the rookie, and I'm getting all these kids, like, why the fuck would I pitch to him? You know, at this point, it's oh. just good strategy, really. Get better as a pitcher. Yeah. Get better. <laughs> like,. <laughs> It's yeah. it, it's the only sport where you can really kind. I mean, like, get, granted, like NBA has, has like ISO and stuff like that, and you can have like like uh, you can change your matchup there. But it's the only sport where you can really kind of duck the best player and what they do the best. It's it's crazy. The one thing I've been reading about, you know, this story is finally getting a lot of o- te- uh, attention and oh, attention. Yeah, oh, thank you. Thank you. And as you know, I mean, I have a video from, from me extolling the virtues of Otani from like what year and a half ago. Yeah. You know, something like that. And so I'd like to say I was on board. Ben Stradamus knew, but I th- I feel like it's like really becoming part of the narrative now that like, we are dealing with like a generationally amazing player. And I think the story is getting out there. And one thing I've noticed about the story that I think gives the angels a little bit of an edge is that this guy seems to be all about like the process and the routine and what he has to do. And from what you hear, he has complete autonomy from the angels Like, he's not part of their food program, training program, anything. He's got his guy, his schedule, his routine, and they let him fly. And they've been doing it for years. And I think, you know, with someone like that and a personality like that, the last thing somebody wants like that is disruption. Yeah. You know, so he seems meticulous. He seems like... uh one of those types of people. And and that's what's starting to give me an idea that like, you know what? They can still pay me like $600 million or something crazy, which I'm going to get. Cause at this point you can make a case. He's worth $300 million on each side of the ball. So I think the angels actually stand a pretty good chance now. Yeah. Any contract that they're going to give him is going to be a, a, a good deal. So I, I, I hope that both guys can, or both sides can figure something out and he can keep uh, hitting dingers and living in Laguna. That's yeah, uh, that's a nice yeah. life. He's fun to watch, man. <laughs> He's fun to watch. All right. Let's talk a little Yankees and Mets here. Let's start with the Mets here because the Mets are planning for the 2025 season and beyond. Uh, owner Steve Cohen uh, doesn't want to get embarrassed next season. So at the trade deadline, they did a bit of a, a fire sale. They bolstered their farm system. They, they, they bolstered uh, the assets that they have to deal to try to put together a better winner next year than they were able to, to do this year. Uh, he even met the team in Kansas City to try to uh, assure the guys that, you know, this isn't a complete lost cause and to keep uh, competing and everything. This comes after uh, they traded Verlander, they traded Scherzer. So uh, guys who, you know, if, if you're just tuning into the baseball season at this point in the season, you're like, oh, they had those guys and those guys, and they have that record. 
So kind of crazy. But uh, what do you make of the Mets cutting their losses uh, and looking ahead to next season and beyond? Well, I think it's smart. Yeah. I think it's one of those things where, like, when you look at something on paper, you're like, oh, okay, this is the smart thing to do. But this is a hard sell. You know what I mean? Because the Mets went into this season and you know, I'm a Yankees guy, but I root for the Mets and I don't wish ill on the Mets and I want them to succeed. And, you know, I went into this year going like, shit, they look good on paper. It's the fucking Mets though. You know, something's going to met it up. And within like a day or two of me saying that their closer fucking busts up his leg in a, in a celebration, the baseball classic and is gone for the year. You know, like Mets right off the bat. Scherzer gets off to a slow start. Verlander gets off to a slow start. Lindor gets off to a slow start. Alonzo's kind of the only one hitting. They got injury problems right off the bat. Like, I think they're simultaneously being smart and completely lying to their fans because this team is not doing dick next year. You know, like now look at the 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 pitchers they're going to be throwing out there without Verlander and Scherzer. There's no one else in the pipe, you know, like there's no one you're, you're sitting there going like, Oh, they got two, three starters coming up through the pipe that might be ready to go next year. Uh, I thought it was a great haul to get back uh, Acuna's little brother in the Scherzer deal, but you know, he's still at double a, this kid Gilbert, they got um, in the Verlander deal. Again, good prospect great college outfielder, but still seems, you know, year or two away from making a serious impact. And, and they're rookies, which means, you know, maybe two years away from impacting winning. So this idea that they're making these moves for next year is a lie. I do think they're being smart, getting off the books with these guys, saving the money, refilling the prospects, refilling the minor leagues. Like the team is in much better shape than it was prior to this deal but next year is a fucking wash and i don't think you're going to see the dividends from this trade until 2025 and a team that also you know uh had to make some moves at the deadline and kind of didn't do much of anything was the new york yankees they're kind of in a, a world of trouble um they they didn't restock they didn't get better they kind of just stayed um, and seemed happy internally to kind of stay put. So what do you make of the Yankees trade deadline? You know, talk about lying to your fans. <laughs> like, that's where, you know, every public statement is like, yeah, we're in it to win it. We're in it to do this. When you traded for two middle of the road, middle relief. Actually, one, I don't even think is a, it's a major, the it's a major already, league right? reliever. Yeah. yeah, I mean, the the Middleton kid they got from the White Sox is a functional middle reliever that you can pop in there, but that's not moving the needle. I mean, uh, you know, I think there is maybe some secret hope that like, oh, okay, Cortez comes back, uh, Judge comes back, you know, um, we start, you know, kind of hitting the right, the right notes at the right time. They're not that far out, so you could still make a run at the playoffs if you're the Yankees. I mean... They're five games above 500. They're only a few games out of the wild card, so it's possible. But, I mean, they boofed the deadline. Either, you know, the the packages for the guys they wanted to to get were, were too extreme. Like, I'm not sure. But, um, you know, they, they, they didn't get off of anything. They didn't add anything. It was a very just middle-of-the-road deadline for a middle-of-the-road team, which is – you know, a lot about this has been very un-Yankees, you know, and if they went ahead and, uh, but that's the thing, you know, like they can't, the Yankees are never at liberty to boof a season. Yeah. You know, they're five games above 500 and they have Aaron Judge who they just signed to the biggest contract in baseball. Like, what are you supposed to do? You don't boof a season when you have Aaron Judge and Garrett Cole, you know, you just don't. So, you know, they probably should have added something, but I think, it was kind of the maybe secret mindset behind closed doors that like, listen guys, this year ain't it. So we're not going to make some dumb trade right now, but like, let's present it as if like we're still in the mix. But I think behind closed doors, the Yankees brass knows that this, that this group is not, 
getting past, you know, an Astros or, a, you know, a, a Rays or an Orioles right now. Like, I never thought that the Yankees would be the kind of team where they're like, oh, like, let's just focus on selling tickets the rest of the way rather yeah. than winning. Because it's like that, that know. like, you know, like you hate to say it, but that's kind of uh, when, when teams you know, remain non-committal and think that they still have a chance to win a championship. It's because they know the moment that they throw in the towel, uh, it's, it's, listen, it's not like fans are going to stop showing up, but like the passion isn't going to be there. And that's kind of, I, I, I got to imagine that's what matters to their margins when. Yeah. And, and not to mention like the, the people they're sticking with and the people they didn't get off of are highly unlikable right now. No, I'm serious. This is one of the problems watching the Yankees is you're watching old, overpaid guys underperform, which is one of the least favorite things to watch in pro sports all around, not just baseball. Like watching guys like Josh Donaldson and DJ LeMayu and uh, Rizzo at this point, even though he's a good guy, like these dudes are done. You know, they're, they're not playing at a major league level and they're highly 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 overpaid like the yankees took bets on all these guys and it's not working out and if anyone's in need of a youth movement a culture movement like it's just a stale kind of team and even a game like last night like anthony volpe is the only guy you're looking at and you're just like excited about even watching stanton hit a home run every once in a while you're just like that was the ugliest home run i've ever seen you run around the bases like the fucking rock. Like, it just doesn't look right. You, you're still hitting 200, and you're paid fucking, like, $45 million a year. So even when you watch it, it's kind of, like, bittersweet, and it's not that nice. And it's like if if uh, Judge or Volpe is not doing anything good, I'm even having a hard time kind of just, like, enjoying it to, yeah. to this point. It's a sort of unlikable squad they put together, and I do think – there really needs to be a strike of lightning in Yankees land. A hundred percent. All right. Two more quick stories before we get out of here. Speaking of a strike of lightning, let's talk about the Miami Marlins and, you Woo. know, off the field, they put together an incredible promotion to welcome their deadline acquisition, Jake Berger to uh, South Florida. The Miami celebrated the slugger and his advertising last name by offering $5 hamburgers for their game Wednesday night. I love this. I think that we need more uh, player name inspired uh, situations. Uh, the slugger has 25 home runs entering Wednesday. So a great addition for the Marlins. But uh, this $5 burger situation, which uh, I'm not sure if that's more of a statement on the state of inflation, because I'm pretty sure this burger used to be like or the quality of meat. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, exactly. yeah. So uh, no, I love this. I love this. And you know, you got to lean into people like this, too, because I know this Jake Berger. He's yeah. he's he was a pretty high touted prospect coming in and he's shaping up to be one of those uh, sort of chubby, uh, gruffy white dudes who is a low average 30 plus home run a guy a year. He's yeah. got great power and a great swing, but he's going to be, he's not the best hitter all around, but like baseball fans love guys like this. Yeah. You know what I mean? For some reason, give me a guy who's ours. I'll take his two ten average and 31 home runs a year, every year, because his name is burger. burger. We eat $5 burgers. I love watching him tromp around the, so this is a great thing for the Marlins. Can I mention something about the Marlins? Yeah, please. That I think hasn't been talked about. Who stepped away from the Marlins before last season? David Sampson. No. 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 <laughs> Who? Little guy. Number two, Derek Jeter. Oh, here we go. Derek Jeter fixed the Marlins. He was there for like three years, only losing seasons, gutted it out. And here they go. He's like, you know what? My work is done here. Enjoy this team leaves and now they're in playoff contention making trades trades for a playoff run out of nowhere jeter does it again behind the scenes behind the scenes people are like wow jeter he's like a myth this is like this is like the nda of of uh his his ownership <laughs> steps he never makes he never does anything wrong 
They hate Derek him Jeter in should South run for Florida. president. They Why? Hate, because look at the look at what when he was there. It was a tough situation. Look at this team he left him. Empty ballpark. Come on. I don't know how much it this takes was time. Derek Jeter got into the meat of the system. He went under the bull and he grabbed the <laughs> testicles and he filmed that farm system. It took a couple years, but Jeter fixed the Marlins. I mean, oh. come on. I don't think he's on Fox. If Peter it, for if, president, I, I don't think he's sitting next to David Ortiz and A Rod on Fox. If it went as well as you're trying to tell, he me. fixed <laughs> the Marlins. Everyone knows it. Oh, all right. Well, last story today. Speaking of an organization that needs fixing, uh, ESPN let go of Mark Jackson this week. They're in the middle of uh, good. Oh man. Okay. Okay. Easy. Uh, they're 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 in the middle of a massive transformation. Uh, with their on-air talent, the new broadcast team for the, uh, the the new lead broadcast team for the NBA and ESPN is going to be Mike Breen, uh, Doris Burke, love that, love a uh, Man of Swan's finest right there, and uh, my Marquette guy Doc Rivers. Doc so Rivers, I that, love this. That's a a heck of a, of a team. But I'm bringing up Mark Jackson because uh, there's a story that surfaced that I'm I'm not sure how true this is, but I want to talk about it for uh, uh, entertainment's sake. So uh, the adult site Cam Video has extended a jaw-dropping million-dollar offer to Jackson to provide play-by-play analysis during their live cam shows. Uh, The company has even suggested that Jackson can use his catchphrase, grown man move, during sensational (laughs) moments. (laughs) <laughs> Wait, <laughs> he didn't. He didn't take this. Isn't Mark Jackson proudly like a church-going man yeah, and stuff? Yeah, yeah. He, he's a church-going man. He wants to get back on an NBA bench, but uh, the offer is on the table. Like so many teams oh. have offered Damian Lillard everything. Uh, Cam Soda. I don't know if that's man. a real website. As but. as much as I like, I don't know if this story is real. <laughs> I don't know the site. I don't know anything about it. Uh, but. I fucking love it. How <laughs> smart is that for the porn game to get into play-by-play guys? This is like well, the not best. Literally in play. They should have tickers on the side about like, like, like inches and like the measurements and like, like they got to do it like ESPN style. Porn needs to move into the DraftKings era. DraftKings, yeah, wow. you got to start. You got to start like doing live porn and taking bets. When's he going to finish? Five minutes, seven minutes, putting money down. You got tickers. You got Mark Jackson. You got Mark Jackson with the play-by-play. Oh, my God. This is genius. If they would have offered Mark Jackson a million dollars, how much do you think they would have offered Breen for bang? (laughs) Ten. 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 Easy. Ten. Cool ten. But that being said, I don't want to be grumpy about it, but – Listening to Mark Jackson and Jeff Van Gundy, just old man harumph about fucking everything for the last few years. I like their analysis because they're obviously like well-versed basketball guys, but I think they're almost like too far in it. Like it's like, like they know how the sausage is made and nothing impresses them anymore. Like I love the fact that I get to hear Doris Burke, who's just fascinated by the NBA and fascinated by what these people can do and can, bring a little like love and joy into the thing and into yeah. the broadcast and doc i just like listening to talk because he <laughs> sounds like the fucking marlboro man so i actually uh i'm 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 welcome to this to this yeah. move and i hope van gundy just gets a job i, yeah. I like i like him as a coach mm-hmm. mark jackson i gotta be honest from the 80s knicks to to coaching to now i don't know yeah. it's always rubbed me the wrong way don't like Mark Jackson. What can I say? I'm sure he's a great guy. Yeah. Nothing personal. Nothing personal. Just don't enjoy listening to him talk. Yeah. Well, the the NBA wanted to get off of those guys allegedly internally because they want someone that's going to sell the game more. And when you're because when when you're criticizing the refs, when you're criticizing exactly. the league, that's that. That's not a, a way that you're going to stay on a contract that is worth so much money. To Every get. four seconds, this is wrong. This yeah. is wrong. This is wrong. Yeah, it's 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 taxing. At what point does it become like? Does your broadcast become propaganda though? Because that's what we criticize the other leagues for. That like, oh, they're not critical enough. So I don't know. You know, uh, I trust. 
if there's a journalist in this game, I trust is Doris Burke. Yeah, that's true. Queen, queen, absolute queen. Has never done anything wrong. So I trust. I this 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 combination of Breen Burke and Rivers is kind of like a group I trust. I'd let them watch my kids. You know. There we go. That well, if you want to watch Benny's kids, you can email the podcast. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. <laughs> yeah, the tuna podcast at gmail.com. Two P's in there. Um, tuna podcast at gmail.com. If you want to follow us on all the social platforms, we're at the tune-up HQ. Anywhere you are, we're there. Uh subscribe on YouTube, please. Uh, we love uh we love all the love and support. Love you chiming in on the live, love listening, love everything about it. Uh, if you want to get in touch with the big man, he is at Benny Horowitz on Instagram. I am at Danny Gallagher on Instagram. Benny, you got anything else? Are we still live on X? Oh yeah, wow, that hasn't changed. It still shows me the birds. Yeah, so we are okay. live on X. <laughs> well, everybody love everybody out there. And uh, yeah, don't get sucked into the matrix. The show has ended. Go in peace. You've been listening to and watching The Tune-Up. <laughs>